Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bitesize Bio. Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you're in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com and with me is the driving force of this podcast, Mr. Kenneth Vogt, my friend, mentor and founder of the coaching company Vera Claritas. Today's episode is called When and How to Delegate. So this is all about getting stuff done without having to do it yourself. It's always a good thing. So let's bring in the man himself. What's this all about today, Ken? Hey there, Nick. I have to say that every time you introduce me, I, I'm sitting here with my fist in the air. <laughs> That's it's what it's great. meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there is something interesting about this kind of thing, too. You know how they, they say that uh, if you want something positive said about you, rather than say it yourself, have somebody else say it. That, that, by the way, is an example of delegation. And, you know, it's no less true when Nick describes me than if I would describe me. But for some reason, it sounds better coming from somebody else. And, you know, I realize part of it may be that he has that, that wonderful lilting Scottish accent and I have this strokey Wisconsin accent. But, you know, even so, it works. That just and, depends on where you're from, Ken. <laughs> well, I suppose. Listener, where the listener is from. <laughs> I don't know, back, back, back where I came from, I don't think anybody looked with fondness on our accent. We just kind of accepted it. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing too. You might be sitting there thinking, okay, delegation, that's, that's, a, that's a great topic for my boss. Um, it's, it really doesn't apply to me. Uh, I don't have any direct reports or, or I don't have very many or, or if I do have anything like that, it, the work is so stylized that I, I don't have to tell them what to do or give them assignments. They, they already know what to do. They just do it. And you might think, oh, it just doesn't matter. But it does matter because you can delegate in all kinds of directions. You know, of course, if you are someone who has people that report to them, delegation is a critical part of your job. Um, but even if you don't, it's, it's possible and necessary to to delegate to to people who are you know your peers, it's possible to delegate to your boss, to people that that you actually report to. Because there are times when somebody else needs to be doing something for all kinds of reasons, and so you 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 need to get good at this because delegation is amplification. If you want to get things done, you're going to need other people and 
involved. And this is part of how you get them involved. And you want to be making the best possible use of your time and your gifts, the things you're good at. If you're doing something that you struggle to do, and it isn't a, you know, um, a critical skill for your career, but it's just, it's a task that has to be done. And yet you work with somebody who finds that task easy or enjoyable, make some deals, <laughs> get them to do the things you don't want to do or you aren't good at. And you do the things you're good at and, and that you like, and you will find that everybody does better. And this, this doesn't just amplify your career, it amplifies other people's careers too. As people get more involved and do more things, their resume building, their building skills, their making connections. This is, you, you can't look at this, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be told to dump my work on somebody else, but that's not what I'm saying at all. Because part of this will be deal-making. You know, like, all right, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Or if you'll do this this week, I'll do that next week. Or the other way around, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's a good idea to be the recipient of delegation first. Start amassing some, you know, some chips, some things you can cash in later. Um, it, it's, it's all part of this, a part of this process. So now I, I use the word process because delegation is in fact a process like any other kind of process. And I know for, for many of you folks in the lab, process is a big deal. Process is really important and it's really comforting. It's good to know that there's a process to figure this out. You know, because some of you might not feel that comfortable with the idea of delegating to others. But if you, if you learn the process, you don't actually have to be that comfortable. It'll just be, well, you know, the process says it's time to do X and you'll do it because that's, that's how process works. Process can be a motivator. Process can, can keep you on track. It can help you do things that you might otherwise find difficult or distasteful or, or um, uncomfortable. So, you know, that's, that's how we're going to take a look at this. So, Nick, I wanted to ask you about, about this in particular. How often in the lab do people find themselves in the need of delegating? Is this a, is this a big deal? Well, it depends on how you look at it. One way of looking at it is that there's not a lot of delegation going on because you're responsible for your own work. You might have a technician or a student perhaps, but mostly, mm -hmm. mo mostly people are doing things themselves. But I was just thinking about that there, that, the, that this industry is actually quite well set up to to delegate, but on a kind of more systematic level, mm -hmm. where if you think about it, that there's um, all sorts of stuff. So most institutions will have staff <clears throat> where, uh, you know, a service, a kitchen service, where they will wash labware, or they'll make up, they'll do repetitive things like make up plates for you, mm -hmm. or, or things like that. So uh, and, and there's pr normally a cost involved in that. And so the question is, do you wash your own dishes or do you get someone else to, to, uh, to, to do them? Um, and, you know, then it's, you know, the money saved versus your time, which is really sure. what delegation is all about in a way. Um, or other ways to think about it are that, um, you know, do you spend uh, time each day or week or whatever uh, racking pipette tips, something very um, repetitive? 
or do you delegate it to some a student or do you just buy the ones that were pre-racked by the company that are more mm -hmm. expensive um but save you the <clears throat> save you the time and money and uh, probably you know other benefits to it as well um okay. uh and then also if you think about it as well even deeper than that in the modern day uh, biology lab there's all sorts of kits and um and things that you can buy that that basically delegate the chemistry behind the techniques we're using um and delegate that to the company who who, who make the kit you know mm -hmm. so back in the day this was chemists doing uh, molecular biology and and things like that and um you know it's it's proper proper chemistry that stuff and you know you instead you can just buy it off the shelf saving you a lot of time and mm -hmm. uh and quality control issues and, and all that sort of stuff sure so uh, like as you've been describing there are trade-offs here and sometimes the trade-offs aren't up to you you know maybe you don't have have budget authority so you can't make that choice but you can certainly advocate for it and you know that's something that that we've noticed at bite-sized bio that that the scientists at the bench are very often influencers then and they make a big difference in how the lab gets run because they speak up and they have opinions and they have opinions that are based on something they know what they're talking about so don't sell yourself short and by the way you know we're, this conversation is also including those of you who do in fact have budget authority and do in fact have staff you know so we're you know i, I, I want to lead in for everyone there too that hey you this is definitely for you. You really want to look at this, and I like the way you the way you put that, Nick. That that this this is a notion of delegating to um, another company, <laughs> delegating to another department. You know, the, the, it's not just delegating to individuals. Now the, there are going to be times when it's just you know I don't have any problem with racking pipettes, but I hate washing dishes. And somebody else is like, well, I don't mind washing dishes. I'll do that. You know, so make a deal. You know, work it out. But so the, the first step of this is to identify tasks that can be delegated. So you gotta you gotta look around for likely candidates. You know, what are the kind of things that you might want to consider delegating? And part of this has to do with practicality, but part of it has to do with personality, and and your own you're just your own personal choices. So in other words, <clears throat> a likely candidate for something to delegate is a repetitive task that takes too much time. And you're not somebody who likes repetitive tasks, but you might be able to find somebody that does. And, and that, that's, a, that's a common enough characteristic, but it's also a common enough characteristic to not have. <laughs> so uh, if you don't enjoy things that are repetitive and they're, they're they're taking up a lot of clock time or a lot of calendar time for you and keeping you from, from accomplishing objectives you want to accomplish, by all means, look around for how you can delegate that. Now, what if it's something you just plain don't like doing? Yeah, absolutely. And now sometimes there are some things that nobody likes doing. Well, you can't do much about that. But it is surprising how often there are things that you couldn't care less about and another person hates. And it, you know, you can, you can work that out. You can make deals, you know, some people hate washing dishes, but they don't mind drying, you know, <laughs> uh, well, great. Then, then, then make a deal, work that out. You may also realize there are some things that, 
that seem to show up on your to-do list, but they really don't serve your primary objectives. You, know, you can't just blow them off, but they have, but you know, because they have to be done, but they don't really help you much. Well, if there's a way you can get somebody else to do that, great. That's a good candidate for delegation. And then finally, um, if there's some some task that you feel is holding you back, it's keeping you from being able to expand or to to grow in your in your role or to reach out further. Well, that's definitely something worth looking at delegating away. So you start there and go, okay, here are some likely areas I can look at. But now once you got something, what do you do with it? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to define this thing. You, it, it's it's got to be clear what it is you want to delegate. So you got to you got to determine where does this thing where does this task begin and where does it end? You know what what specifically does it entail? What has to be accomplished? Um, what resources is somebody going to need to do it? Because you can't just say, "Hey, do X," but then you don't give that person the things they need to get it done. And then another thing to consider is what authority does someone need to accomplish it? Um, can you tell them what to do and give them the resources, and yet they still can't do it because it's going to mean getting into this locked case that they don't have access to, or it's going to mean having a password that to get into a system that they don't they aren't allowed to access. You know, you, you got to be clear: is this something that that other person will be allowed to do? Um, and now maybe that authority can come from you. Maybe you can delegate the authority, but if not, you know, maybe you've got to get other people involved. And you might first look at that and go, oh man, that's going to make this too messy. It's not worth it. But then again, you got to go look back at how you came to the conclusion this is worthy to delegate and it may well be worth it. You may say, you know what, this is, this is practically a career stopping thing for me. I got to get rid of it. And if that means I got to go have some conversations with people, then I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, there are short-term pains sometimes that are very much worth the long-term benefit. And if you, the more you can get out of being in short-term mode, the, the better you're going to do in your career and the happier you're going to be. If you're always afraid of conflict, I, I don't want to have to talk to somebody. I don't, I don't want to have to talk to somebody into doing this. I don't want to have to talk to Boston to let me get somebody else to do this. I don't want to have to talk if somebody into to bringing someone else into an inner circle of some kind, well, you're not going to get far and, and you're not going to be happy. Your career is not going to go well if you are constantly hiding from what you see as potential conflict. All these are, are the situations they require professionalism. They require you to step up. They require you to show that you have some gumption and that, and that you have some vision and if you if you will step into those things then you'll get better at them and you know when you do this on a small scale level with some of these smaller delegating tasks you're going to find that later on when it comes to big things that you, you're going to feel more comfortable and like like you've got the chops that you can do it so okay you've got yourself something you want to delegate you've figured out why you want to delegate it you've, you've defined it it's clear you know what to do now it's like, okay, who should do it? Is this something that I can assign to my tech? And, and at first blush, you might be looking going, well, I have this, this limited field of things I can let the tech do. 
maybe not. Maybe you can help them grow too. Maybe, maybe you've got some, some leeway there. Now, it may be that there are, are hard and fast protocols around what that, what that person could be assigned and, and that's not a battle you wanna take on today. So that's fine, but, but figure out, can this person do it or not? Or what if it's, all right, I can't be done by my tech. It's gonna to have to be done by somebody who's, you know, at least my peer. Well then, all right, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna ask somebody who is, is a lateral person on, on the chain of command here to do something for me, then I gotta consider, all right, well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna make it worth their while? How am I gonna make it okay? How am I gonna make sure that the boss is okay with this? You know, there's all that. And then sometimes you may actually look at this and go, I think I need to delegate this up the chain. I need my boss to handle this. And, you know, maybe it's not an individual task, but maybe it's, maybe it's, there's a conversation that needs to be had and it would be better if they had that conversation than you. We're going to have a whole episode on how to, how to manage your boss, but understand that delegating to your boss is absolutely on the table. Now, for those of you who are bosses out there listening to this and you're going, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a bunch of people coming up the chain to delegate to me. I'm not loving the sound of that, but you should love the sound of that because you want them to tell you when there are things that really you should be doing because that's, that's the support they need. And you shouldn't be doing certain things for them. There's things you should, that they should be doing. You don't want to do their jobs. You don't want to micromanage them. But when they come to you and ask for support, you want to, you want to have a listening ear. And you, know, you want to be able to discern between is this person being lazy or is this person realizing that um, there's something needs to be done that's, that's over their pay grade and, and, and I should step up and help. So you, know, you can, we can all be on both ends of this. Um, I can be as easily delegated to as I can delegate away. So you know, consider that too. That's part of the, the, the process here of recognizing um, when and how to delegate. Well, sometimes the, the when and how has to do how we receive delegation. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. All right, so you've got your task. You've figured out how, how it works. You've figured out who you should assign it to. Well, now the next thing you've got to do is you've got to make sure that that person is trained to do what they need to do. Now, the training here that I'm talking about isn't necessarily about the specific task. That is, you know, I want them to do X. They, they need to know in general how to do things. Um, and in many cases, that's already handled. You know, you, the reason you chose them is because they are already properly trained. But there are times, especially when you are giving assignments to subordinates, that that it's proper to delegate to this person, and you got to make sure they're trained up. They've got to be they've got to be adequately capable of handling this task and tasks like it. And so it's up to you to make sure that they're brought up to speed in general about those things. Now, 
it's it's another step to instruct them about this particular task because the reason that's different than training is training is just a generic here you know here's how we wash dishes here's the here's the cleaning agents we use here's why we use these cleaning agents um and here's the equipment we have available for it and and here's you know how long this has to be in a heated condition and you know yeah, i mean i'm guessing what this stuff is here but you know but those are general things but about this specific this specific assignment they need to understand okay within your training these are the these are the factors that matter for this this just just needs to be you know quick and dirty you don't you don't have to be that fancy about it whereas this this needs to be perfect and sterile and da -da 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 -da. you know giving them explicit instructions so they know exactly what results you're expecting i expect a sterilized instrument when you're done okay i get that whereas if you just say hey clean this well okay i've got i've been trained about how to clean things but i don't know exactly what kind of clean you want you know <laughs> well make sure that doesn't happen to you you know communication becomes a big part of delegation and it's best if you can communicate it up front and then be able to let them go and do, where they don't have to keep coming back to you. If they have to keep coming back and getting your approval for little steps along the way and getting, oh, I'm not sure what to do next, you know, that you're gonna be sitting there going, why did I delegate this? I'm still having to practically do it. You know, so if you wanna be effective at delegation, there's gotta be good communication and especially up front. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't allow them to communicate in between. If something comes up, of course you want them to speak up and say, hey, this may be a problem. It may get in the way of you getting the results you're after. Well, that's a that's a conversation you're going to want to have. And it's still well worth it. You know, if you have to, if you have to be stopped one once or twice as they're doing something to for them to get further guidance, it still may be a time saver for you and an energy saver and a focus saver for you. So you wanna, you wanna think about it that way. Now, as this thing is going along, perhaps they're not communicating with you and you don't know what's going on. And if it's a more complicated task, you might kind of need to know what's going on, going on along the way. So you wanna track progress. So you, you, you've gotta come up with a way of determining what progress is gonna matter. So again, it comes down to the task you're assigning and, and delegating. Is this, is this a complicated thing? Is this a one-step process or are there several steps? Well, if there are several steps, you wanna be periodically checking in with them. Make sure that, that they're staying on task. Now, part of the, that might be timing. It might be, I, I know this is a three-step process and any of those three steps, it's no big deal. And it needs to be done this week. But are you going to wait until Thursday to find out if they've completed even step one? You know, that may not be a good idea. You might want to make sure that they got step one done by Monday and step two is done by Wednesday, you know, depending on what it is, you know, but figure out, well, what's the, the proper progress for this so that I can know if things are behind schedule and whether or not some adjustments need to be made. And the adjustment might need mean that you could adjust your timeline or they need more support, or maybe it's that you need to take the task back. Now, I know that sounds really painful when you delegate something and you have to take it back. Oh gosh, that's a uh, waste of time. And, and I wasted all this energy trying to get them to do it. And uh, 
And you might look at that and see that that's a failure that proves the delegation doesn't work. No, that shows that something went wrong in the process. Did you pick a task that should have been delegated in the first place? Should this not never have been delegated? Or did you not, were you not careful about enough about who to delegate it to? And when I say careful enough, you might have like, well, the only person I had available to do it or was it that I could have chose was, was Susie. And okay, well, maybe Susie wasn't a good choice. So understand sometimes that when you're making choices, that sometimes the proper choice is not to make a choice. So if you've decided, oh, there's a task I hate doing, I gotta get rid of this, I wanna delegate it. The only person I can delegate it to is Susie. Susie's gonna be terrible at it. The answer is don't delegate it. As, as painful as that is, because it's even worse when you delegate it to the wrong person or somebody that doesn't have the proper resources or doesn't have enough time or, or or any number of reasons why it isn't a good fit. And then you have to take it back at the last minute. It, it just creates more pressure and makes everything worse for you. Now, the thing about this, this tracking, you, you get it differentiated from micromanaging. You're not trying to take the task back again. You're not trying to tell them how to do things. And, and that's, that can be a very difficult one. Now, you do tell people how to do things at the beginning, but once they get it, you got to let them do their thing. Um, now, I mean, if they're just not doing it right and, and they didn't get it from the start or they didn't agree from the start, something you should have been paying attention to, um, that's, you know, that's a different problem. But if, if everybody's on track and they're professional and they're, they're doing what can be done and, you know, maybe they're encountering problems, but you but they may be encountering problems you would have encountered also. Let them handle them, you know, support them if you can, especially if they're struggling or if they're asking for help. But if they're like, no, I got this, well, let them, let them, let them have it, you know? And, and it goes from there, you know, and especially if you're in a position where, where these are folks that work for you, you've got to let people make mistakes because they learn from them. You got to let them fail sometimes as painful as it is. And you've got to build it into, into the system that failure can happen without the whole operation crumbling. If you, I mean, there, there are things that are mission critical and you want to keep on top of that. But, but many things, it's not that they're mission critical, that you know, they, they, they just have to be done and somebody's got to figure out how to do it. And that's all, that's all you really need. So give them a chance to, to make mistakes, give them a chance to try new things, give them a chance to, to go slower than you might prefer, and you know, give them a chance to work it out is the, is the bottom line. All right, so now you've gone through all this and problems are not, the task has been completed, hoorah. <laughs> so you got what you were looking for, you delegated something away, it's, it's been done and and now you have something that's off your list and it's great. Well, it is time to give credit. And this is something that is very painful for some folks. They, they wanna keep all the credit for themselves. And I don't just mean that in a selfish way. They're worried that if I give credit to somebody else, I'm gonna fade away. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna pay attention to me. Nobody's gonna see my value um, that, and, if, if I don't take all the credit, uh, I, I will never have enough credit to keep moving up or, or to, to meet my 
career objectives. Well, it's just not true. Um, you, you're going to need other people to help you along. Other people are gonna, are gonna help build your career. And the more people that you can praise, the more people are, who are gonna have your back. Now, I will grant you, there are some people, they are just praise consumption machines that they just, they will, they will just suck you dry. There will never be enough. And again, those are the kind of folks, they, they're probably afraid to praise anybody else. Okay, you, you can be measured with folks like that. Don't, don't be entirely stingy either because they're telling you, I mean, they're broadcasting, they are in aching need of praise. It does matter to them. And even if you think, well, they're never gonna praise me back in any setting, maybe not, but they'll do other things for you. They, they will see them because they see the benefits themselves. So um, it, you're, still, you're still amassing value there. You're still, you're still uh, collecting some, some favors out. And so you can use that. Now, when it comes to praise, you know, it might be as easy as just like, Bob, man, you got me out of a jam. I really appreciate it. Or, or Sally, you know, you, you did a great job on that task I assigned to you. Very good. And it's a private thing. And it's just between the two of you. And for some folks, they really need that. And, and you're doing something very valuable for them. And it comes at no cost to you. Other praise you can give you can uh, <clears throat> you can give in front of other people. In other words, so when, when you say when you broadcast that, hey, Jim did a great job for me on this in front of other people, you're building them up in the eyes of others, and people love that. You know, it's 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 very valuable. And now, of course, it's important to be sincere. You know, you, you don't want to you don't want to just be blowing smoke. You know, you don't want to be faking it because people can tell. We love to think that that when we're faking stuff like that, that nobody's noticing. Everybody's noticing. We're all good at reading insincerity. It's, it's, it's not hard. <laughs> so don't, don't kid yourself, because I'm sure you think about yourself. Well, I know when somebody's being insincere. So does everybody else. So, you know, don't, don't hand out false praise. If you don't feel like giving a certain kind of credit, don't. If, hey, you know, they did it and they did a sloppy job and they turned it in late, you know, don't praise them for being on time and doing a fabulous job. You can say, okay, well, you know, you can still thank them for getting the task complete, you know, but, you know, take it as far as you can with sincerity and give other people a chance to feel good. It costs so little or nothing at all. And if you're somebody that is known to be appreciative, when you come to someone to ask for help or to, to assign a task, they're going to be far more likely to do it. And, and there, there are some folks that you think, well, they have to do it. They work for me. That's how it is. Yeah, well, you, you, you'll find that there's a big difference between people who will do things begrudgingly and people who will do things willingly. It's well worth it. The, the cost of being nice, of being appreciative, of being kind is so low and the payoff is so high that it's just always worth it. And you got to get your ego out of the way. It's just like, well, no one's going to do it as good as me. And how can I praise them for the shoddy work that they do? They're like, you know what? Good enough is good enough. And if they did it good enough, that's good enough. <laughs> so, and that's still praiseworthy.
you don't only praise excellence. Praising adequateness is entirely appropriate. <laughs> and, and two, you know, sometimes you're on the receiving end of this and somebody says, man, thank you. I really appreciate getting the, this done. And you're like, oh, well, you know what? I didn't do a great job. I, I could have did it better. And you don't accept their praise. Come on, accept, accept praise that's given. If it's given sincerely, if it's not given sincerely, that's another conversation to have. But, um, you know, mostly people are sincere. You know, most people aren't running around being phony 24-7. You know, alas, we do, feel, we do encounter some folks like that some of the time, and maybe you have to work with a few, but chances are your whole lab isn't full of people like that. You know, so, so be, be part of a good culture in, in that regard. When you give praise, other people will start giving praise. You'll start receiving praise. Um, you'll be part of an upward spiral of good behavior. And so, uh, you know, you can, you can be a leader in that regard. And all of these things, you know, you, you think that the delegation looks like, oh, all I'm doing is putting, I'm just putting tasks onto other people and putting work onto them. It's actually a characteristic of leadership. People like to be led. They like leaders. They like somebody that will take responsibility. And so even if it involves them having to do some work, the fact that you take some responsibility looks good to people and they feel good about it. And people like to help somebody that they think is, is taking charge. And part of it is just in the moment, it just means I don't have to take charge. Hooray, somebody else is taking charge. But part of it is this is a person who's going places. I wanna be on their good side. and. And you will find that people will do things for you that the same task they don't want to do for somebody else. Why? Because they, they believe that you're somebody that matters. You're someone who's going places. And you know, it, it's good for you and it's good for them. So I've uh, been monologuing for a while there, Nick. Is there anything else you wanted to, to say about all this? Wow, that was, uh, that was quite the... Quite the monologue. It was. Uh, it's quite. It gives the uh, a very kind of. It was a very kind of full description of what's neat, what this is all about. Um, one couple of things that that occurred to me. Um, uh, let's have a look at the notes. So a couple of the things that occurred to me are one of the unusual situations. About, maybe it's not unusual, but one of the situations uh, about science is that. Everyone's often doing these techniques or, uh, you know, performing these procedures is, is as much a learning experience as a doing experience, mm. especially when you're further down the, you're, towards the beginning of your career. Mm -hmm. And so there's a kind of emphasis, especially in the beginning on doing the hard miles, if you like, um, on, you know, doing everything so that you can do it. Um, and that, that's, a, that's another angle on delegation that uh, you should only really probably only really delegate once you know how to do it yourself, perhaps. Yeah, that's a fair observation. Absolutely. Um, but I think that that can go too far the other way. Um, and as much as once it gets to the stage that you could do it, you, you know how to do it in, inside and out, you have to make an evaluation at some point if there's the opportunity to, to delegate. You have to make the 
uh, evaluation of whether it's worth spending the time and money and effort on delegating to free up your time so that, as you said in the beginning, you can amplify yourself then effectively. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that I think that there's a tendency for people to hold on to that to uh, for something somewhat too long. There's kind of a pride in doing everything yourself in a way, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not the most efficient way to work. Um, a very no, it's not a scalable way to work is what it is. Definitely you know? not. Well, it's limited. You're limited by the number of hours you have, whereas if you can efficiently delegate, then uh, then you're amplifying yourself. I mean, for example, you know, the, the, the things that I talked about earlier, you know, the kind of examples of delegation where a company is making a kit for you so you don't have to make the whole kit. Imagine if you had to make everything from scratch, that your, your, uh, your output would be tremend- you know, tremendously impacted. Um, sure. And so that that's you know one way to think about you know the the downside of not delegating. And so in a way, when, you know wherever you are, uh, whatever resources you have at your disposal, it's about using them in the best way to get the best result that you can for yourself and the people that are paying you. Basically. Sure. Well, I like the point you made earlier too about the delegation could be about you know delegating to another company that just does something like creates kits. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you delegate to a piece of equipment, you know, the, the, the equipment does something that maybe you could do manually, mm-hmm. but it's just more efficient and, and less expensive and less time consuming to let the machine do it. Or sometimes the machine can do something you can't do. You know, you, you can't really do what that microscope does. <laughs> Your eyes can only do so much. Yeah. And it's always worth looking around for ways that you can cost effectively delegate like that. Like back in the day, people would make their own oligos and that now would be unheard of. You, you send it away and get someone else to make it. You yeah. know, um, same with DNA sequencing, you would uh, typically send it away to a specialist to get it done. Uh, whereas back in the day, people would spend all day making a gel to do a bit of uh, sequencing and so on. So that's always evolving. So that, that's examples of where that kind of systematic delegation is kind of taken over in specific or become the norm in specific techniques. Um, and, you know, that will obviously continue to evolve. There was a, I remember, I can't even, I wish I remembered what this book was, but I, I, I read this sci-fi book years ago where when I was in the lab and it was the base, it was written in the fifties or something. And the, and the basis was, you know, it was one scientist working in the lab and he had all these machines doing everything for him. So he just basically had to push the button and the whole experiment was set up. And I thought that was quite amazing as a, I think it was <laughs> when I was doing my PhD. But in effect, you can have something like, there's, you know, there's increasing opportunities to have something like that where the data keeps flowing towards you um, and you can keep, you know, answering those questions that you're there to answer. You're also there to acquire skills, but you know, that's another way to look at the, you know, that it's painful to delegate. It's, you know, because you lose the pride of, of being able to do that, you know, I made that gel, or maybe you prefer the hands on nature of it. But again, it's always a trade off between, uh, you know, doing yourself delegating, and, and the, the costs involved in that, but the speed and the speed you can get um, the results, at, the, the, the speed you can move forward at. You know, there may be a, a, a career observation to make there, too. Perhaps you're in the wrong job if you really get excited about making that, you know, 
DNA sequencing gel, maybe you should be working for a DNA sequencing company <laughs> rather than what you're doing. You know, we can make choices like that. I, I've noticed that from you know, my own background in software. There are people that are much happier building tools than building applications, for instance, or they like writing in assembly code rather than in a higher level language. Well, great. If that's what you want to do, then go do that. Make that career choice. But, you know, you can, you may find the opposite is true too. Like, I mean, I hated the low level languages. It was just so boring to me to, to me, it was reinventing the wheel. And, and some, some of the scientific work you do, you may feel that way. It's like, man, all I'm ever doing is the same old, same old. I'm not, I'm not excited by this. I'm not, it's, it's not a career I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, 10 years down the road, I'm going to feel like, man, that was a waste of 10 years. Well, get the message now and, and figure out, okay, well, what really should I be doing? Maybe you're somebody that should be at a startup and taking a chance. But, you know, maybe the opposite is true. Maybe, man, you would do much better in, an, in a university lab than, than you would at a startup. Well, okay, figure out who you are and what you want and wh which way you want to go. And you can do that. Yeah, and now it's morphing into the the, the careers talk. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it really is. Uh, it really is important to note that while you know some decades ago, science was about you doing everything at the bench. You know, or doing most of you want a scientist being kind of self sufficient. The way of the world is that that, that it becomes increasingly network, increasingly you know um, distributed, and that's what's happening. And what that does is it creates specialist opportunities for uh for um you, you know you as a scientist you know you yeah. can work in data you can work in uh and you know you can work in tech support you can work in uh you know you could be the guy doing the dna sequencing as you said ken and and all sorts of stuff so that's important to figure out that you know that traditional view of science which is still quite prevalent i think um the, the traditional view of a scientist, it's much more differentiated than that now. So I wanted to, to go back to being hard on the topic of the day of delegation and reference a couple of resources that are especially useful for those of you who have people to whom you can delegate because they work for you. <laughs> um, there's, there's two articles that I wrote a number of years ago for... Um, uh, a website called Small Business Print Trends, and but and you might think, well, you know, this is this is a lab, this isn't a business, but this is one of those situations where it is really good to look to other industries and see what best practices are, and and here are some things that apply absolutely the same, whether it's about a business or a lab. One article is entitled "The Difference Between Managing and Directing." And if those sound like synonyms to you, you need to read this article, especially if you are somebody's boss. And the second one is, do you know the difference between delegating and abdicating? Now you probably realize those aren't synonyms, but do you know the difference? Do you know which one is which? And do you know when you're doing, when you're abdicating, when actually you should be delegating? You never should be abdicating, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, when do you think you're delegating when in fact you're abdicating? That's, that's worth reading. And by the way, anybody, that's worth reading. You don't have to be a manager to, to, to gain something from that. You won't be hurt if you're not a manager and you read the one about managing and delegate and managing and directing, but <laughs> um, it's especially applicable to those who are bosses. 
So, so those are those will be in the uh, in the show notes, and and you can check those out. Um, so that was again another another great round roundup of another to- another pillar topic from you, Ken. And uh, I think that people will people will find that pretty useful. Excellent. I know that I have over the years. <laughs> what a, I, 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 I know you just said a pillar topic and then, wow, I like that word, but then, but it also made me think killer topic. Oh yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> it a killer, is. killer, oh. pillar topic. There you go. Yes. No, I, a pillar is even better than killer. <laughs> okay. So there's lots more where that came from. If you haven't uh, done so already, uh, have a look at episodes one to nine of the podcast and Ken goes even more foundational, even more killer pillar stuff um uh he looks at things like human needs core mindsets charisma factors which are all really useful tools for understanding yourself how you work and how other people work um so if you haven't done that do do so already um and uh you can get the show notes for this one uh this um episode at bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist all one word and this is episode what what are we on now this is number 34 535 that we're zooming through these and um and thank you if you're still here and uh at at number 35 and you've come all the way through um yeah go to episode 35 and in there you will find the show notes which outlines what was ken was talking about here and we'll give um give you the link to the um the, the the articles that ken wrote all those years ago uh especially the difference between managing and directing is a really useful one to get your head around. I did want Ken to take a picture of his mouse mat and put that on, um, on uh-huh. the, the show notes, but I don't think we can do so for copyright reasons. It's a, what is it a Dilbert? It was a, yeah, it was a Dilbert mouse pad. And it, it said, you know, I did, I did nothing today and still got paid. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but it's, it's kind of extreme delegation. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, and yeah, you can also find us if you like this stuff, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist club, all one word, and you can contact us there, ask us questions, and we'll be putting things in there periodically for your, uh, further learning benefit, hopefully. So again, thank you, Ken, for another great episode. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. scientist is brought to you by bite size bio your mentor in the lab bite size bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of phd scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the bite size bio community Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.